You're back for the Locked On Irish podcast, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast. Today's episode, we are going to hear from Mike Singer, a recruiting expert with blueandgold.com, as well as discussing the men's basketball non-conference opponents. Lastly, recognizing two women's basketball players that were named to award watch lists in the ACC. Before we get into that, though, I am Joe DeLeon a former college football player and long snapper at the Division One level, current NFL free agent long snapper, joined by my great friend Ryan Roberts, who is the scouting director at NFL Draft Bible, as well as some other amazing content that he does covering the NFL Draft and college football. Ryan, I want to open up today's discussion on the release of the men's basketball non-conference schedule, and this announcement of the schedule and who they are going to face outside of their conference. Now, they did end up releasing shortly after the ACC opponents, the the typical teams that they usually play because they are in the ACC. Not really a surprise that they're playing Louisville and Boston College and and Florida State, Miami and Duke and Wake Forest, North Carolina. That stuff's not really surprising to us. To see the opponents that they have coming up out of conference is very, very difficult, the teams that they are going to play. We're going to share some audio in a second from Mike Bray and his thoughts on scheduling those opponents, but the key teams that they're going to be playing right now are Michigan State, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Kentucky. Those are top-level programs. That's a pretty tough start to the schedule to go through. Oh, absolutely. And and when I first saw it, I was like, eh, sink or swim, I guess, man. Like, Mike Bray, you know, he's, he's not going <laughs> to... He's not going to, you know, shy away from competition, obviously. I've been a huge fan of Coach Bray and his tenure at Notre Dame. I feel like he's done an incredible job. It's It's had a couple down years um, recently after a really nice stretch there. But he is he's full tilt into the season. And, and hearing from Coach Bray in his press conference, everything started to make a little more sense from a structural, you know, organizational perspective of why they went this route. But, you know, I have to say, Notre Dame fans, you're going to have our hands full the first portion of this season as long as everything goes well. And I'm, I'm really excited to see the product, not only that Coach Bray puts out there on the court for Notre Dame, but also we're going to be seeing against a, a lot of great competition to start the year. They're currently expected to open up the season against Michigan State. And maybe all of these programs, the the top Power 5 programs that I've mentioned they might not be at the same level that they typically are, but they still have very good players on their teams. The way that I kind of look at this, and, and Coach Bray talks about in the press conference that, again, you're going to hear at the end of this segment, he talks about the intent for why he wanted to do this. He wanted to get exciting games for his his upperclassmen, his seniors, his players. If there's possibly no opportunity to play in March Madness come come March time, if things go awry again, So they're going to be facing some really, really good teams. The other thing that's of note with these top opponents is the, quote, easy walkover games I wouldn't even really consider to be walkover games. You look at North Carolina's schedule, which was in my Twitter feed, like they're playing Elon. Elon is not a good basketball program. They're not even really that good of a football program. They're uh, a outside of the, I wouldn't even consider them, uh, you know, really com- in a competitive conference. So they're playing an easy team, but we see what Notre Dame's playing, Western Michigan and Howard. And now Western Michigan is nothing special. The Howard opponent 
is one that I think is very underrated and that one a lot of people are going to be sleeping on. You have to remember, folks, that you, you might have forgotten or didn't even see that they have a five-star recruit on their roster. McCurr Maker committed over the summer to go play for Howard after many speculated that he was going to start playing professionally uh, in the G League or overseas. So he is on this team. This is a, a team that if Notre Dame is looking very, very good in the beginning stretch of their schedule, a Howard team that could catch them off guard because they might overestimate um, – the type of talent that they have on their roster, ignoring the fact that they have a young, talented, athletic center in Maker. Yeah, and, and I mean that that just sums it up perfectly, Joe. Because we're not the names are there, right? You already talked about the Michigan States of the world. We have those teams on tap. Western Michigan again shouldn't present too difficult of a of a um, you know of an opponent for us. But if the worst team we're playing this year is Howard, which has a five star recruit, the worst team we're playing has a five star recruit. That kind of sums up just how difficult this this stretch is to begin the season and, and the conversation that Coach Bray brought up about the uncertainty of the future. Who knows what's going to be happening down the line? We want our players to have that, that showcase and to have that, those experiences to play all of these great teams. So right now, let's take a listen to Coach Bray speaking on Monday on his thoughts on the schedule coming up. You know, you're really living day to day, and you're right. When you try and think of five months and getting to March, that's a little bit too much to bite off, quite frankly. Um, you know, it's been just awesome to be back and in training since mid-August and being in the gym with our guys. Um, you know, it's an aggressive December schedule, obviously, and when you see the two league games that will plug in tomorrow when that's released on the 16th and the 22nd, you'll know that I've lost my mind completely. My feeling was, though, and a little bit of, to answer that question of thinking five months, my feeling was to really go for it and schedule big, exciting games for our kids because I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the winter, you know, after the first of the year. What are we like in February? Is there a March Madness? So to give our kids just an unbelievable experience, and you've seen the non-league games that are out there, again, when the 16th and the 22nd dates and opponents plug in tomorrow, no one, I'm not even, definitely no one has never had eight games like that to start the season. Um, and if you think of our schedule, 27 games, 25 of them are Power 5 conference games. And my feeling is... Uh, uh, you know, your scheduling strategy, whatever, uh, you know, for your resume, that's all out the window. Stop. Stop. Let's play and let's get our kids playing and hopefully we, hopefully we play most of the 27. So as you can hear, a lot of the stuff that we highlighted, he mentions how there is some uncertainty. He wants to play good teams. He also later talks about in his press conference the issues with playing in the, the Mohegan Sun um competition where there were a lot of really good games scheduled later on to be played in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. That kind of fell through. So his intent here was, all right, we're going to go out and grab as many big programs as possible. We want to play as many good teams as we can. And I don't really hate that philosophy. You're not going to beat all of these teams, but if you go out there, play competitive basketball and you knock off a couple of these ranked opponents or just generally good programs. Say you win three of, of these um, out of the you know out of this this mix here. The, I named four. Maybe they win two of those games. 
that is going to be a really good thing to have on your resume come March time. And this this Notre Dame team two years ago was a very freshman-heavy team. They're now upperclassmen. That group is very upperclassmen-heavy. They're at a point where they're ready to lead themselves into a competitive spot in the ACC. I, I think that they have a good chance against any of those four teams, Michigan State, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Kentucky. And nobody, nobody remembers okay teams, right? Like down the line, if Notre Dame ends up having a below average season or just a very average season, whatever it ends up being, nobody's going to talk about it. But if Notre Dame comes out and they beat those teams that you're talking about, the, the Michigan States, the Tennessees, the Ohio States, the Kentuckys, these incredible out-of-conference opponents, then, hey, man, this is, this is the season that might be clicking for us. In a year that is out of the ordinary, that nobody can predict, to have that opportunity to showcase yourself against those teams, for one, is a great opportunity. And for two, hey, a little foresight from Coach Bray. Worst comes to worst, at least your players are getting those experiences early on. At least you're seeing them against great competition. A lot of casual fans are going to want them to have an easy schedule, get to March, hopefully things happen, right? I want to see my team play against good competition on a, on a night-to-night basis, and I want to see just how good they are and them to test their abilities against the elite in college basketball. And the other thing that I just want to wrap this up with, which is very important to acknowledge, you have to consider the current restrictions with COVID. So we saw with college football, which is a completely different schedule structure where you have games once a week. We already had to move the Wake Forest game. That game had to be moved because of a COVID outbreak. So if hypothetically you have on your schedule, they are playing Kentucky. Say that Kentucky is the only big game that you're playing and you're playing a bunch of uh, teams like Iona or um, or like like a bunch of really small programs like an Elon, teams that aren't as as competitive that are going to be easy walkover games. If you end up having an issue where the opposing team has a COVID outbreak or you have a couple guys in your team that are unavailable and you have to either cancel or postpone that game, you're then losing a game that you needed on your resume. So you can't just rely on having all of those weak opponents and beating them if you end up losing the one really competitive team that you were supposed to play. That Those things are important. And to have that level of foresight and not think of, oh, well, I want guys to get ready for the ACC play. No, forget that. I want to. He wants to see them play competitive teams in the event that maybe something goes wrong and they lose a couple games. I think everyone's seen, you know, the bubble watch on ESPN, right? Every year leading up to the tournament. And you're, you're kind of looking at guys have teams in that may have a worse record than the teams that they have out. That's because of that scheduling. That's, that's because of the quality of opponents that they're playing. Like you said, just a couple key victories against these, some of these out of conference teams. Like, Hey, if they knock off Michigan state, they mock, not mock, sorry, knock off Kentucky, that speaks paramount to maybe a schedule where all their wins are against some mediocre teams. Those are the strength builders. Those are the schedule of building wins that will help your team when that selection Sunday comes across if you're not an ACC champ and you don't have an automatic bid to the dance. This college basketball season is definitely going to be an interesting one, especially for Notre Dame as we get more and more information and the season is getting very, very close. Hockey season is also getting close, so we also will provide some information on shows coming up, what to expect with the hockey season, and also some general thoughts. Coming up next, we are going to be hearing from Mike Singer of Blue and Gold 
Com. Before we do, though, folks, I want to share a message with you from our sponsors, that being, you guessed it, Coors Light. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all the time, but every now and then, it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I know that I am always running around. I have a weird schedule. I'll have gaps in the middle of the day, and then I'm working until 11 o'clock at night early on in the week. I always need that one day, two days at the very end of the week before I have to get ramped up again for working on Saturday and Sunday covering football games where I want to just sit back, relax, and have a Coors Light. It is the perfect beer to unwind, relax, calm yourself down after a long week because it is the beer that is made to chill. Now, folks, watching football is therapeutic for fans as I know it is for me. It is uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. With minimal college football teams playing this year, Coors Light wants fans to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink a beer. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Now, Ryan, do you also have a wonderful message for our our, uh, listeners from one of our sponsors? Yeah, after we're done unwinding, we need to get ramped back up. There's no better energy energy bar on the market than Built Bar. Even the improved Built Bar is even more delicious than it was before that you might remember. It has 18 amazing flavors, including both nut and non-nut flavors, there are six new flavors on the market, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, among others. Twelve original flavors that include some like raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, which has to be my favorite, double chocolate orange. It has a flavor for everyone. Those bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built bars are also extremely healthy for you. They are great for the health conscious guy on the go. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. Some of the flavors that you can indulge in, peanut butter, which has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams net carbs. Coconut almonds, cherry barcia, cookies and cream. There is a bar for everyone, and they all are amazing for you while keeping you going during the day. Built Bar has reset the promo code for the relaunch. Free coolers with a, with purchase while the supplies last. Make sure that you take advantage of that offer today. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code Locked On again, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And now joining the show is Mike Singer of BlueAndGold.com, recruiting specialist for Notre Dame Athletics. You can also follow him on Twitter, uh, Twitter, folks, if you want to stay up to date on the latest recruiting for Notre Dame at Rivals Singer. Mike, really appreciate you coming on to talk about the Notre Dame recruiting right now around that halfway point in the season. How are you doing today? Good, man. Always fired up to talk about some recruiting. <laughs> so this past weekend I'm sure you were also fired up seeing Notre Dame knock off number one Clemson that type of a victory tends to have a bit of an impact 
with recruiting classes, seeing a, a top-level program able to knock off another top-level program. What do you think that this impact could have for the remainder of the recruiting cycle and going forward after this big win? Yeah, this is something we get to probably spend two hours talking about all the nuances of this, but um, to kind of get in the nitty-gritty, there's just a level of excitement. Um, I've had some recruits tell me that, uh, man, I didn't know Notre Dame was that good. You know, I've had, and that's a lot on the 2022 recruits, their high school juniors. Um, so I think this kind of game has a, the, the biggest impact on those underclassmen that are, um, you know, look, they're just teenagers, they're kids, they're growing up and now they're seeing Notre Dame. Like that's, that's what they're going to remember Notre Dame for is beating Clemson in one of the, probably the most epic games they've seen in their life up to this point, you know, to be honest. So, um, I think there's, there's some long-term effects there, especially if Notre Dame continues to, um, progress if they win out in the regular season. So like if Notre Dame loses the next two games, then, you know, how, how does everyone kind of remember the Clemson game it kind of has a, a little bit of like a asterisk or something like that there. Uh, but for this 2021 class, uh, I mean, look, there's a, a linebacker from Hawaii named Kahanu Kia, who I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about here shortly. Um, he was actually on campus. Now there's a dead period due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so the coaches couldn't see him in person or anything like that, but uh, he, there's nothing stopping him from going up to South Bend and walking around campus. So he was there, spent a couple of days with his family. I mean, you, I, I put in a rival's future cast pick for him to, to project him um, to go to Notre Dame, Stanford, UCLA, um, and Utah's also in there. But look, I think him being there um, like puts Notre Dame on top and I, I think they're going to eventually win that recruitment. So um it just is another recruiting pitch for Notre Dame and this for the senior, the high school seniors of 2021 class of like, look, look what we're doing. Like, this is what we see you doing. Like, did you see Kyron Williams just do this or uh, look at what Lee and Meikenberg's doing and uh, against Clemson? Like, there's just a lot of things um, there that the Irish staff can pitch to um, to not only the 2021s, but the, the 2022s and heck, even the, the 2023s. Um, what's that sophomore Notre Dame's already offered a dozen or so prospects there. And Mike, I wanted to talk about the 2021 cycle a little specifically here. We talked about a number of big names uh, when we spoke last time, obviously Tyler Buckner, quarterback, Blake Fisher, offensive tackle, offensive guard, Rocco Spindler, a great class. It's shaping up to be for Notre Dame in the 2021 cycle. If you had to put maybe your emphasis on one of those commitments being the most impactful for the class, for the future of Notre Dame, is there a player or a couple players that might stand out in that respect? So impactful is a, a good word to use because what's what's the most impactful position, right? It's obviously quarterback. Um, so you look at it from like a positive or negative standpoint. So if Tyler Buckner hits, this is the um, top hundred nationally quarterback uh, from the San Diego, California area. If he hits like that's going to be huge because he's a very good runner, very good throw over the football, uh, great size at about six two, two ten, thick kid, seen him twice in person. I've been impressed, but if he doesn't pan out, then what what's what's next for the quarterback position for Notre Dame? Drew Pine, um, I really I've seen him twice in person as well. I really like his mechanics and everything, but Drew Pine at the end of the day is a 
511 guy. So um, what what does that look like for Notre Dame wanting a quarterback that's at the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence uh, to a level? So, you know, Brendan Clark, you know, you just don't know um, what what's behind Ian Book there. Like Brendan Clark could be a starter for a couple of years, but then what? You know, what does Notre Dame have in 2022? So impactful is a good word because it could be a really big impact. But if he doesn't pan out, then the impact could be uh, pretty negative. But I, I seem to think that it's going to be a positive impact. I really like um, Tyler Buckner. Um, he's definitely one. I think you got to look at the offensive line, just continuing such a strong tradition of O-line U. Uh, Rocco Spindler's a, a, a very good interior player. And then Blake Fisher, honestly, could play any of the five spots on the offensive line, um, even center. The game I went to go see him at this fall, he was playing center because their starting center was out. Um, so he had to slide in there. But uh, it's just a really strong offensive line unit. Honestly, Sitting today, 19 commitments, a couple more spots, you know, maybe three, four more spots in the class. Um, I, I think that this is going to end up being a top 10 class. If you would ask me this six months ago, I would have been like, no, they're just not going to have enough guys to make the ranking uh, math work um, to that Notre Dame would be, uh, you know, top 10 class. But uh, I, I think the amount of guys they're going to get and the star power that this is going to be a top 10 class for Notre Dame. So you already mentioned how there's not a ton of current spots available left for some commitments and some of these scholarships, but you also brought up a guy that's close to committing that was at this Clemson game. What recruits right now do you think are close that maybe people aren't really paying attention to that you think maybe not like right second, but within the next month or so, next two months that could possibly commit to Notre Dame? Well, if you follow recruiting much, the, then there's not, I mean, like everyone's kind of reporting on, in, including myself, like who's left. Um, so here's basically the rundown, and this shouldn't take very long. With Jameer Smith transferring, you got Jafar, uh, Jafar Armstrong moving to receiver. Notre Dame's looking at taking another running back. And on Monday, they offered a young man named Byron Cardwell um, from San Diego. I also think they're going to offer a young man named um, Audric Estemi from New Jersey, Michigan State commitment. I think the Irish have a good shot there. Potentially, look, if Notre Dame can f- like flip some big offensive lineman, Jeff Quinn would certainly love uh, to be able to do that. And Notre Dame's looking at a defensive lineman who's committed to Oklahoma named Kelvin Gilliam. Um, you got the linebacker, Kukana Kia, who we mentioned. And then there's a few defensive backs out there. Yeah, Philip Riley was a one-time Notre Dame commitment. Now verbal to USC, the Irish could flip him back. Titus Makayo Altamalala is a four-star athlete per rivals. Uh, he could play receiver. He could play safety. I like his upside more at safety, and I believe Notre Dame does as well. And then you have Sierra Wright, who's a top 100 national um, corner from Los Angeles. So that's that's pretty much it. Running back, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebacker, defensive back or two. I think of that group, you'll you'll see probably three or four players added to the 2021 class. And Mike, you talked about a, a couple guys that might be committed elsewhere. Are there any long shots that you can give us for 2021 moving forward here that maybe is it might not even be super realistic, but maybe you think that there might be a sliver of hope that Notre Dame maybe could flip them moving forward here? Oh man, sliver of hope. I mean, so Notre Dame beats Clemson. Everyone's asking me, hey, we got a shot with Will Shipley. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. I don't think Will (laughs) Shipley, uh, top 100 player, 
Uh, Notre Dame fans remember that recruitment uh, committed to the Tigers back in May. Don't think that's going to happen. I'm not even going to throw that one as a sliver. Uh, But, hey, it's recruiting. Literally throw out any name, and I'll be like, yeah, sure, maybe. It's recruiting. Who freaking knows? Uh, Landon Tangwall's offensive line commit for Penn State just mentioned, hey, like Notre Dame flip one of these uh, big-name offensive linemen. Jeff Quinn would be ecstatic. Um, I actually did a little digging on Tangwall this week, uh, and and I'll be reporting more on this on BlueandGold.com. I don't, I, I don't foresee that one happening, even though Penn State's what zero and three, um, and, and that's where Tangwall's committed. But I, I don't really see that one happening. So, um, if you want to throw out any names, I'll just tell you, yeah, maybe. But otherwise, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, one last question for you here, Mike, and I think this is something that not only relates to Notre Dame fans, but just fans of college football in general, and also maybe parents of recruits. How do you think that the current pandemic and some of these programs not playing, um, a limited amount of scholarships, guys getting extra eligibility? I I know this is a very complex question to really ask, but just like on a base level, what are some of the impacts, maybe the bigger impacts that you're seeing based on COVID and how it's affecting recruiting? Because I I keep hearing from a lot of different people, and when I, I actually edit the show that, uh, you appeared on with Ryan and David. So I, I remember he, you talking a little bit about that. So like, what are some of the major, major impacts um, on on recruiting right now because of the pandemic? How long do I have? I got you. Can you give me a couple hours? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I figured it's, it is not, it's not an easy thing to really break down in a couple minutes, but like if there's just like a small little p- piece that you could give to our listeners on like, so they can understand the, the issue. I mentioned Titus Makaya Altamalala. Not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I should probably ask him. But for him specifically, um, he's got schools like Notre Dame and Penn State. Maybe not, not not Penn State, excuse me. Notre Dame, Michigan, Nebraska. So he's got some Midwest schools on him. He's got your, your typical West Coast, your UCLA, USC, Utah. But for a kid in Hawaii um, – it, it's not that easy of a trip to just – book a plane ticket like Kanu Kio is able to do it but that's not the case for everyone like um so that's like he he's trying to commit to a school I think he's the only school he's visited three schools in his top 10 Maryland no excuse me not Maryland uh, I was USC um UCF he was at like a, a seven on seven tournament in Orlando so you'll see UCF and there's another one that's escaping me um so it's like he's visited three schools he's considering out of the 10. Like that's so tough. So he's considering um, not even signing in December and and pushing it back um, uh, until February. Of course, February is the signing day that everyone remembers as signing day. But now the new signing day is really December and just a handful of recruits signed in February. But so that's, that's just one example of an impact. Um, I mean, you've got kids who are kind of flip-flopping because I haven't visited this school, but I'm going to flip to this school, maybe flip back to this other school, like maybe with a Philip Riley, um, who's committed to Notre Dame, has never visited. I believe he's visited USC once, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, and now he might flip back to Notre Dame. So um, college coaches are being very patient um, with with these kids. They understand that they're going through a really um, – it's a good problem to have picking between Notre Dame and USC, but uh, it, it doesn't make it more – or any less difficult. So – um, one thing I'll add as well, you have these kids in states who uh, aren't playing Virginia, uh, Illinois, California, like some of these places aren't even playing high school football. So you have 2021s out there that are really good 
but they're not playing a senior. So they're falling through the cracks. So I think schools uh, like a San Diego state, um, you know, might end up with some pretty freaking good football players because the USC didn't offer because he had a great senior season. Um, so I, I, I think that maybe even like a ball state or a Miami of Ohio gets a really good kid from the Midwest um, because he, he wasn't able to play a, a Notre Dame or Ohio state should have gotten him. So that kind of thing will play an impact. This is just going to be a multi-year thing that impacts college football. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate you you talking with us today and addressing that obviously very complex issue that I know a lot of fans are confused by and also curious on um, some of the possible impacts. Folks, if you want to go follow Mike on social media, it's at rivals underscore singer. Uh, Mike, where else can people find some of your work and anything else that you might want to plug? Blueandgold.com. Just go to the site. You won't be disappointed, Notre Dame fans, I promise. All right, awesome. Well, thank you again, Mike. We're looking forward to possibly having you on again in the future. Thanks for talking to us about Notre Dame recruiting. Coming up, we are going to be discussing some women's basketball players that were named to preseason watch lists in the ACC. Now, folks, if you're not already subscribing, go and hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to us. If you stumbled upon the show, you can still find us wherever you can find a podcast. But make sure so you don't miss a single episode every single day. We are giving you everything you need to know about not just Notre Dame football, but every single athletic program. Big news. We are sharing that with you. So speaking of talking about other programs, we want to share latest headlines that are coming from the women's basketball program. We have two players that have been named to preseason ACC watch lists, which is very, very big. Last year was a little bit of a down year for the women's basketball program, but this still is one of the best sports programs at the University of Notre Dame. I know that, Ryan, whenever the football program or the men's basketball program was doing poorly, I would always I would always have take so much pride in supporting the women's basketball team for being a Final Four team pretty much every single year when I was in high school and also for a long time in college. But these two players that were named, freshman center Maddie Westbeld was named to the ACC and also uh, ACC head coaches and Blue Ribbon Panel newcomer watch list. That's for freshmen. And then sophomore forward Sam Brunel was named to the Blue Ribbon Panel all ACC watch list team as well. So that's, that's really big, Ryan, to already have two notable young players on this program that are being acknowledged in watch lists. And I think that this is going to be another pretty good year for the women's basketball team as they are transitioning with a new head coach. Yeah, and like, like you said, the program under Coach McGraw for the longest time was a dynamic program. Now with Coach Ivy coming in, you need some young players to be able to build around here. And like you said, Sam Brunel and then Maddie Westfield, um, those are players that Coach Ivy is going to be able to take under her wing and then really utilize them to the highest ability, not only this year, but also rebuilding the program after a one-down year. Now, we're not going to sit here and say that Notre Dame is going to be on a downtrend because we have seen this, this program be consistently dominant over the last few years. So we're just going to throw the 2019 shortened season into the trash. That was just, you know, that, that was a tough situation. It wasn't 
the complete showing of what women's basketball at Notre Dame is represent. We have a couple of nice young players to really get excited about. Coach Ivy coming in to continue the tradition that Coach McGraw instilled for the women's program. Now, it's also worth noting that the Blue Ribbon panel predicted Notre Dame to finish fourth in the conference, which that doesn't really surprise me, Ryan. Again, last year was a bit of a down year, not the same level of uh, competitiveness at the top like we've seen from them. To, to be in that fourth range with a brand new head coach, I don't think that's terrible. And it also puts Notre Dame in a position to outperform expectations. I would rather see them at fourth predicted to finish than them already being picked in the top two and already people talking about how uh, you know the new head coach is not working out. I think that fourth spot is very realistic, and they have potential with this young group to outperform that. I, I think it's a good spot, to be honest, because you're looking at the record from last year, right? Like, yes, we think it might be an admiration, and we're, we're going to be able to get back to where the program has been historically. But, hey, they still went 13-18, and 18, so you're going to start at a starting point that was not a great 2019 season. And we're looking at it now, new coach, New blood, new philosophy, I'm sure it kind of instills the important parts of Coach McGraw since Coach Ivy was a former Notre Dame basketball player. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of similarities to their tenure and their philosophies. But the, the fourth spot, I think, isn't a terrible situation. You know, I maybe expected to even be a little lower with a 13-18 and 18 record. They're in a good enough area to start the season to, like you said, outplay those expectations. I don't expect a down year from Notre Dame again. I expect them to get closer to where they have been with those young players, with Coach Ivy. I think that the program is in a good spot preseason poll-wise. I think they're in a good situation moving forward overall. Well, folks, that is going to be it for today's episode of the Locked On Irish Podcast, getting you a little bit of a different perspective on this Wednesday episode. That's typically going to be our goal is to maybe in the middle of the week provide you with some updates on other sports, a little, little bit of recruiting before we get ramped up for the game preview and also an interview coming into the football program's next opponent. So, folks, next show on Thursday is going to be a full breakdown preview show for Boston College as this game is very, very important for Notre Dame's future and implications of not only competing for an ACC championship, but also competing for a national championship. Please make sure you follow us on social media on Twitter at Locked on Irish to stay up to date on all the shows that if maybe you miss it in your feed, wherever you get your podcasts, you see it on Twitter, you click on the link, and then you have it right there. You won't miss a single thing. Additionally, please subscribe wherever you're listening. Again, anywhere you can find a podcast is where we are. Hit that subscribe button and also possibly leave us a review on what you think. If you like the show, please let us know. We would really appreciate the feedback as we are just taking over um, this podcast over the past week. Lastly, if you're looking for anything else to tune into, the NBA draft is coming up soon. Head on over to Locked On NBA. There is a lot of great content that they're putting out right now. Make sure you tune into everything you need to know about the NBA draft. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>